Starting this fall, amazing local educators will be recognized with the launch of Superior Educators. This collaboration between several local school personnel and the Portage Health Foundation is meant to celebrate the people who make our area schools a great place to learn and grow. All educators at K-12 public schools in Barraga, Houghton, Keweenaw, and Otsunagan counties are eligible, including bus drivers, teachers, support staff, and more. Nominate a Superior Educator you know at superioreducators.org. Happy Halloween. It's time for Copper Country today. A little bit of a rainy start to the holiday. Hopefully that goes away before the trick-or-treating begins in earnest later this evening. I'm Grant Ducetto. Copper Country Today is brought to you by the Portage Health Foundation. You can learn more about them at phfgive.org. My guest is Jeff Ratcliffe from the Keweenaw Economic Development Alliance. So I guess we'll start with just some background information on KEDA itself. If you're an individual, a nonprofit or civic organization, or a private company, what are the issues that they would come to your organization with? Well, KEDA, Keda is, a, is a private uh public partnership. We're a 501c3 nonprofit local economic development organization. We we provide services to our manufacturers and, and to some extent our technology companies uh, to keep them here. So business retention, expansion, uh, and we also work on uh, attraction efforts. Um, we also provide small business uh, assistance. So uh, especially during COVID, we were very active with small business assistance, um, helping folks get through it, answering questions, uh, accessing the funding that came available. And the normal day-to-day non-pandemic, um, again, the services small business can access through us is Kita maintains and manages two revolving loan funds, alternative lending. Uh, we work with banks if banks uh will be involved in a project, but uh, we work very closely with the Small Business Development Center consulting program that's based here at Michigan Tech. Um, It's a statewide program delivered regionally, uh, so we have a consultant here in the Keweenaw that we work with. Um, So again, we sometimes are a first point of uh, entry for folks that are looking for assistance, and then we get them to the direct providers. Uh, Again, if it's workforce, uh, talent uh, issues that Michigan Works can assist with, we get them to Michigan Works. If it's a business that's looking, that's got an expansion and there's issues related to infrastructure or just an incentive to keep that expansion here, then we work with the company and the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. So again, it just depends on the need of the company and we we work to get them to the right resources. So for example, I know Michigan Works is doing some application drives, Barraga County and Keweenaw County coming up. Well, not just Keweenaw County, but the Keweenaw Chamber is involved as well. Correct. Um, Are you involved with those efforts, or do you just kind of know what's going on with those different organizations? So uh, Sam Stone Lake, who is KEDA's business retention specialist, works very closely with uh, the Michigan Works folks that are holding and and putting those uh, programs on. Mm Mm-hmm. And I know they're doing a little bit different format with those, with the application drive rather than the job fair itself. Do you give input as far as what you would like to see, or do they come to you with a plan and you just try and make sure that it actually happens? Well, we look at the the talent professionals and we support them. And and again, if there's interactions, uh, you know, conversations, those are primarily going on uh, between Michigan Works staff and, and Sam. 
Um, although we do, Sam and I both participate with Michigan Works on a, a, a monthly call where you know we get together and talk through uh, the issues related to talent, uh, talent attraction, retention, training, etc. So for you, what type of organizations do you deal with the most? Is it downtown development authorities? Is it private businesses? If you had to kind of, I guess, create a pie chart of who you're meeting with on a daily basis, what percentage is kind of what different group? Well, again, with with two of us in the field, um, Sam focusing primarily on small business, business outreach, uh, retention outreach, uh, and a lot more of my work has been on the community development side with both of us intersecting back to each other, you know, the, the things that we're respectively working on. So, you know, my day probably has uh, a larger amount of uh, the community development side just because of the activities we have going on up in the Calumet Lorium area. Um, but again, I work with, and I work with uh, the cities here and, and the other villages, probably 50-50 in a sense between the two of us and where we're putting our time. A lot of people would assume, well, Houghton and Hancock are the biggest, so they need the most help with these types of things. But I'm guessing that they have a bit more uh, infrastructure as far as city staff that can deal with some of the issues that perhaps some of the smaller villages in the area cannot. That is, that's a very good observation. And that's, so we work where our communities need the help, where they are asking, where they're looking for that assistance. So yes, uh, with both the city of Houghton and the city of Hancock, uh, with city managers, experienced managers, uh, plans, uh, et cetera, you know, they're, they're fairly uh, active in the development uh, efforts in their communities, but we do support them. But an area like Calumet, Lorium, where, you know, there's been a, a long period of downward uh, change, uh, deterioration, but uh, a, a strong effort over the last six years or so to try to halt that and bring it back around. So that's where we're putting our efforts. I mean, it's important for our whole area to not have uh, a deteriorating uh, community, an urban area like Calumet and Lorium. Uh, so our goal is to get those folks back moving forward so that the whole area can move forward together. Both of us have 989 phone numbers. So I know that you're not from here originally. What have you uh, what are some of your observations about the area now that you've been here for the better part of a decade? What do you think about the area? Are there certain challenges that we face that maybe other parts of the state don't or is it really similar from where you came from to here in the Kaffir country? Well, the the similarities from uh, between here and where I was last and even my previous positions, um, it, it's a rural area. It's rural. Um, it has it has all those attributes of smaller population. Um, you know, it's, it's different in some sense. My last community was Gaylord. Uh, rapid population increases over 30 years uh, from out of the area. Um, this area, it, it's different in terms of that. Although, again, with Michigan Tech, there is, a, you know, it's, it's, helped to bring in a lot of folks from from out of the area and and again gave us some additional population growth this this last uh, census um, what's really neat and and unique for me in this area as an economic developer is having way up here in the Keweenaw having a really strong vibrant base economy I mean we have we have manufacturers we have 
machine shops, we have fabricating shops, we have advanced manufacturers, um, we have technology companies, uh, we have companies that are world class. Um, you know, we have they're 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 shipping products and services all over the world from up here. Um, so having Michigan Tech, having this this uh, research and engineering university. Um, you know, again, having the infrastructure, the hospitals, the school systems, really good school systems, uh, way up here. You know, I mean, it's rural. It's to some extent distant from a lot of places, but it's very, very connected. So, uh, and, you know, again, the outdoors, the beauty, Mount Bohemia, um, which was a key key factor for me, is here. And again, it, it's, it's, a, it's a neat community. It really, it's got a lot going for it. And it's, it's efforts uh, over time at, at rebuilding its economy from, um, from the days of when copper was king is it's, it's, it's neat. It's fun. It's, it's great to be a part of it. And we have a, we've built a really good team uh, in the area. How much does Keto work with, say, the MTech Smart Zone, the incubators, trying to develop different manufacturing and technology companies here in the area? Well, Keto has always been a part uh, a partner with Smart Zone. In fact, uh, we've always had a board seat, and I currently hold that board seat. So we are we are intimately involved with the with the Smart Zone. You mentioned uh, when you were down in Gaylord, they had rapid population growth. We've seen population growth, maybe not rapid, but it seems like it's ticking up, and a lot of that may be related to remote working. We certainly saw that during the pandemic. People wanted to get away from the big cities and away from crowds of people. They found that they could come up here. We've got pretty good internet connectivity, certainly considering the size of the area and the it's population. getting better. <laughs> so what are you seeing from that, uh, from that aspect about remote work and how popular it's becoming? Well, we are seeing its its effects positively. We are seeing folks that have moved. We already knew there were people that had moved here uh, that were working remotely. Uh, I mean, prior to the pandemic, I was aware of you know at least one software developer up in Copper Harbor that was working remotely, and there was folks in in Calumet Lorium and scattered around. And now we have uh, Keith Myers and Chassel, uh, who's part of our team, who's been working on uh, remote workforce promotion, uh, and he's been cataloging those folks coming in. But in addition to the remote workers, we are seeing people moving here um, and leaving where they're at and leaving jobs and moving here with skills and taking jobs here. I just met a couple the other day who bought a house in Lorium and a young family. So again, it's people are making the pandemic is is created a, a culture of, of change maybe in a way for folks. Folks are reevaluating where they are, what they're doing, where they want to be. Some of the disruptions of the pandemic are creating that. The real estate markets, um, you know, properties getting sold uh, where they're at and, and saying, okay, well, we got to make a decision. <laughs> you know, what are we going to do now? Um, so it's interesting, but yes, we are, I think we are benefiting from it. So when we have this influx of people, for whatever reason, whether it's remote jobs mm -hmm. or just because they want to move to this area, obviously this area went through a boom time with the mines, and that is now getting a little old in the tooth. We're talking 50, 60 years yep. in a lot of cases. How well is our infrastructure? Can they move into homes? Are they ready to move into, or do they have to put in a lot of work? Uh, that is always a good question. I, I, honestly, I don't. I can't answer that question 
fully. Mm-hmm. I think it's a mix. The Keweenaw Alliance breakfast uh, coming up uh, in a couple of weeks uh, will hopefully shed a little more light for that. We have uh, a panel of a couple of realtors and a local developer. So they'll be given a, providing, provided with a, a list of questions to kind of talk about and, and address uh, what's been happening in our market. We know that the real estate market was on fire here as as it was everywhere in the United States. Available housing was reduced to zero at points. Um, uh, in terms of, you know, I think it's certainly put a lot more properties that need a lot more work on the market, but we're seeing a lot of houses that have, we know have been sitting vacant and deteriorating, getting roofs on them and being rehabbed. So the market is there and people are putting money into it. You mentioned that you do a lot of work up in Calumet and Lorium. I know Calumet in particular has seen an investor kind of gold rush all of a sudden the last couple of years. A lot of properties, including downtown the commercial district, seeing some work being put in. What are you hearing from developers? Why did they find that uh, Calumet and Lorium in particular seem to be very attractive opportunities for them? Well, it's it's really interesting because the 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 uptick in in development in Calumet has taken place probably over the last six six years. Um, it's been a long, slow process, but uh, the folks that are, are investing are doing it because they love the community. They love the, the, the architecture, the, the, the place that it is. You know, it's very unique um, with the sandstone brick buildings and the wood buildings. Uh, it, 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 so they're, they're attracted to the place. When you have the kind of the US 41 corridor and maybe even M26 going down towards South Range and Atlantic Mine, how important is it to make sure that development is happening kind of consistently throughout rather than pockets here, pockets there, and you can't really find ways to connect them together? It's important. It, it's all going, going to be important. The, the key is that <laughs> there's only so many resources to go around. It's a step-by-step process. We are engaged in, in various ways with uh we've worked and are working with lake linden and we've provided some outreach to south range um again we provide uh, assist keith uh, myers in in chassel um and and the the chassel township on some efforts they've had so again it's we we try to we are working slowly uh to bring all of our communities along, but again, they, they they're they individual communities. They're they self rule. They're you know they have their own governance. So, it's it's a matter of when and where they are ready and and want to work on things. Um, Lorium. Uh, so one of the things that's that's good uh, that's been happening up here has been the implementation of the Michigan Economic Development Corporation's Redevelopment Ready Community Program. Uh, City of Houghton has recently been certified. Um, City of Hancock is working through their process towards certification and so is the village of Calumet. Uh, The village of Lorium has been engaged and uh, they are just starting on their process towards uh, certification. Uh, so that's that's encouraging. So there's change in Lorium. Their their village administrator is retiring, and they are switching over to a manager form of government, and are in the process of hiring and putting in place a planning commission. So so they're they're starting because they have they have none of those normal tools that the cities of Han- Houghton and Hancock have to use to guide their development. 
So, Getting into some of the different events coming up, you mentioned the Cuban Alliance Breakfast. I know that those are happening in person again. How are they going? How do you decide what topics are going to be discussed each month? Is it just reaching out to different groups and seeing what comes back? Or do you have kind of a, a plan for what you want the year to look like? Well, we, we have a committee. It's been a, it's, it's been an interesting challenge with the pandemic and, and getting, being able to get people together and, and make decisions on, uh, you know, how we're going to do it, where we're going to do it. Um, but essentially we have a committee and the ideas come out and then we, you have to pursue pulling together the, the speakers, either an individual or a panel. And sometimes it's been opportunities. There, we, we've been made aware of somebody coming into the area that we know would be a good speaker, like the superintendent of the, uh, uh, the intermediate school districts uh, coming into the area and talking about CTE. Right now, we're, we're to some extent, we're, 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 we're kind of taking it one, one program at a time. We will get back to a more thorough, planned out uh, process. But, you know, we're also weighing what's going on with the pandemic and, you know, whether and how long we'll be able to hold things in person, uh, whether we've got to shut that down again. So let's talk education a little bit. It's a very strong trades program within the CCISD and the various school districts here in the Copper Country. And that seems fairly important to me. You want a good balance between the two, between the different routes that you can take for a career. Yeah, well, again, and, you know, Kita started a the, the CTE scholarship program back in 2012-13, so it was just before I arrived, and started to raise the money to do make the scholarships available. Um, and and it, it was the desire or the goal of the board at that time was it was looking around and knowing that businesses were not seeing the skill sets they needed in in their staff, and they didn't need college educated; they needed people with some skills in particular areas in the technical skills and so it was that to motive it was that impetus that that motivated setting up the the scholarship program um and you know over time you know we were able to uh, work, move that to the portage health foundation uh and really solidify the scholarship program with our partnerships so that no matter what, no matter how much money Kita raises every year, there is a guarantee of a $1,000 scholarship per high school uh, in, the, in the region. And that region is now expanded to four counties um, and 11 high schools. So that's a great thing. So, I mean, again, it, it, it makes it, it gives kids that aren't college bound an opportunity. Now, it's, it's good. It and take it and, and run with it, but it's <laughs> it's an opportunity that hadn't been there before. And I am sure that if you're going into engineering at Michigan Tech, having some sort of base knowledge about the actual nuts and bolts of what you're designing probably makes you a better engineer as well. Well, it does, and I think that's what makes Michigan Tech unique is they do have that focus themselves. But another on the topic of CTE, one of the things, and I, I had to check on it this morning, but um, I've been assisting uh, InvestUp. That's the that's the regional economic development organization. Um, they've gone after some funding through the state of Michigan, through the Michigan Economic Development Corporation, uh, to in in cooperation with the universities and community colleges in the UP to fund and ensure that over about a year and a half time that a 
mechatronics program uh, can be delivered UP-wide. So each, each of the schools are at various points with um, infrastructure to provide mechatronics training. And uh, so this is going to help all of them kind of achieve a level amount of, of infrastructure and, and delivery. And this will be a program that will be open to the public. Um, it's non-credit. It's, uh, it's designed for a industry-recognized certification, um, but it will be paid for through a grant. So they are working through the, the, the details on getting that all together, but it, it, will, be, it will be a very good uh, opportunity for folks in, in the UP, you know, starting beginning of next year, hopefully, um, to upskill. One of the big things that for a long time this area probably struggled with some was we were turning out great students, but not necessarily having the opportunities Correct. to keep them here in the copper country. That seems to be changing, but obviously now we have an issue where there's a labor shortage. And it's not just the copper country. It's really across the country. I'm assuming that you're hearing maybe some of the same complaints that you would have been hearing down in Gaylord or even you know parts further south in the state of Michigan. What are your thoughts on this current labor situation, and what do you think gets us from where we're at now to where we need to be to really get the economy going again? Time. It's a situation that there's a lot of folks looking at it, trying, studying it, trying to understand it, um, but it's it, some camps say that it, it is it, it's basically because of the high demand for labor it's put labor into uh, a better bargaining position for lack of a better term um, people are looking for other opportunities better opportunities they've taken the time that in a sense the pandemic created to rethink where they're going um, because you know even with the extra unemployment uh, payments when those were ended the data says it didn't have an impact everybody was expecting it you know, as soon as they were, they lost their extra three hundred dollars uh, a week, that people would be back in the workforce, and the numbers just aren't showing that. Um, so some of it is a, is a change that's still working through, uh, and employers are, you know, they're now focused on how do they how do they address that, how do they, you know, what are they hearing from the folks they're interviewing, and it, it's. It's going to take time. Honestly, I, there, I don't think anybody has a real answer. Everybody's struggling with trying to figure it out. But we, we do know from the numbers that our labor force participation rate um, is, is, is low. I know that we have a lot of tourism in the area. The last couple of summers have essentially, a lot of people believe, have been the best ever. Yeah. And if you're running a service business, like a restaurant or a bar, and you can't get people on your staff, that's going to cause some problems. I'm sure it already has, but it's definitely going to cause problems going forward just with burnout and maybe some other issues in that regard. It's changed how our our service industry is operating. I mean, many, if not all, have had to try to rethink how, they, how they're doing business. Um, some of them are shifting to fewer tables to account for having less staff available um you know the whole push on takeout during the peaks in covid you know it forced that change and some folks adapted to that you know very well and have you know have kind of maintained that 
that push. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting situation. We're we're now you know I've been working with uh, Brad Barnett at the CVB uh, and Jerry uh, Warrenma at at Whoopiter. You know we've we've had conversations. We've both here in the Keweenaw as well as regionally UP wide. You know we've 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 looked at and have been pushing the education on J one visas. You know student visas. Um, uh, H2B worker visas, um, you know, opportunities to bring in folks from, you know, Eastern Europe or wherever that, that can come in on a, on a, on a, you know, temporary basis to fill some of these, these jobs. Places like Mackinac Island, down the Traverse City, uh, Northwest Lower Michigan have been using these programs for a while. Um, other places, you know, again, I think Munising, they use the J-1 visa program uh, considerably. So again, it's, it's for us, we, we've got to start taking advantage of some of the tools that are out there to fill some of these gaps. Again, as, 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 as our economy sorts itself out. And unfortunately for those programs, if I have it correct, th there's a fixed number as far as yep. what's coming in. Yes. So it's really, it's, it's a set pie and you can't expand it because another area wants to get involved. You have to fight for what yeah. you need. Yeah. Well, it's public always intervenes in our economy. You know, we, we have a, we have a market economy, but it's also always subject to public policy of some sort. So yes, those, that's the balancing act. <laughs> Speaking of CTE and the scholarships. I know that Holiday Hoopla, which is coming up in the beginning of December, one of the main functions of that particular event is to raise money for different scholarships for CTE. Maybe you can talk about the Holiday Hoopla program and just what is involved and how people can get involved with that particular night. Well, the, the, the Holiday Hoopla, which is coming up on December 2nd from 6 to 9 at the, the bonfire, um, Again, it's our it's our joint party with the the chamber and the young professionals. Um, again, it was just designed to have a, a a good social evening out and raise some money for for the CTE scholarship program. Um, you know, every year we've 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 done that. We raise you know twenty five hundred to three thousand um, dollars. Last year, we, we held it with a virtual auction because we didn't, you know, we were, we were shut, shut down by the pandemic. Um, and, but we were still able to raise $2,500 out of that, uh, that virtual auction. So uh, our community has been great in responding. Uh, uh, I guess, uh, you know, if there are businesses out there that have, uh, we are looking for unique, high-valued kind of items to auction because it helps us uh, achieve our goal without... Uh, overwhelming everybody with <laughs> all kinds of stuff um, so you know we've been we've been trying to get uh, uh, a fewer number of, of items with that are that will generate uh, a higher amount of, of contributions for for the scholarship program is where we're going so Sam Stone Lake who works for me is is tasked with uh, going out and rounding those uh, those auction items up so if you have something and uh, just either reach out to me uh, well you can reach out to me and I'll get you to Sam I know that the common perception is that once winter sets in, that things slow down a little bit around here. But I've talked to some people, say, at Moyle Building, and they say 
we've learned how to essentially keep construction going almost year round. Maybe there's some points in the dead of winter where they might have to stop for a little bit, but for the most part, they're going year round with stuff, even when the snow is piled high. I'm assuming that it's not quite that simple with Kita as well. It's not on season during the summer and then off season come winter time. No, it's, it's always on. In fact, in my experience, in my career, things have always tended to get busier as we move into winter. And I have no idea why that is, but this year it's just been busy straight starting in March of 2020. (laughs) And we're still, we're still do, we're still working and moving everything forward that we had moving forward and, and new initiatives despite the pandemic. So Speaking of new initiatives or different programs going on, anything you want to plug while we uh, wrap up this interview? I know that you had a group of people that were helping to button up properties up in Calumet and County Treasurer Lisa Madela was up there. Main Street Calumet was involved. Um, I think that most of that's wrapped up for the season, but I'm assuming that there's other stuff going on. We, we have one more building. We're uh, in Lorium uh, that we're going to be working on uh, November 3rd and 4th. Um, again, between the hours of eight and four, uh, so we're, we got to clean it out. It's got a lot of stuff in it, so we're looking. We're, we're very open for volunteers. So if anybody uh, is looking to put in a, a day or a couple hours, we we would welcome them there at 206 Hecla uh, in Lorium. Uh, apart from that, we have one other building we we need to. It's, this has been uh, one that we've been working at for a while. It's in in Calumet. It's a small. Uh, sandstone building it's got its original facade on it and uh it's in but it's in bad shape but it's it's part of the fabric in downtown that the uh, the village wants to retain so we're we're continuing to work at at improving the stability of the of the structure so we've still got uh we've still got probably about eight hours of work to put some uh support posts in so we'll be we'll be putting a an announcement out to try to round up a few few bodies to help us put those things in place at the beginning of november jeff ratcliffe from the kiwanau economic development alliance thanks for joining me on copper country today when we get back from the break sue collins and stefka Silva from michigan tech on media misinformation and the cost of bad info <laughs> 